I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words podcast. It is a major edition and as such we have four of us on the show today, um, which is, is going to be interesting to navigate and, and all good fun. So uh, first of all, Jason Daniels is with us. Jason, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are you? Yeah, really well, thank you. And you? Marvellous. Good. Bradley Todd, as ever, is joining us as well. Brad, how are you? Good evening, Tom. I'm very well, thanks. Good, good. And we also have Skylar Hoke, who's joining us, who obviously I do our DP World Tour Picks and Bets show um, on the Mayo Media Network, and he's now joining us on Lost Words. So, Sky, hello. Hey, Tom. Boys, appreciate you having me on. Um, love nice. major weeks with you guys, so excited to, to talk with Ted. Yeah, I mean, we, we've not spoken in a long time. It's been at least kind of 40 minutes now since we last spoke, so uh, there's <laughs> been some probably some number crunching and some things figured out in between there, but... Um, you know, big week. It's uh, you know the first time we're back at St Andrews since 2015, which is um, always exciting. Uh, we are going to get Roy McIlroy here, uh, you know, preventing that he doesn't actually twist his ankle or rupture his ankle like he did last time. Um, no, no football or soccer for him this week. Um, and otherwise, it, it looks like it's going to be a really special week. Some you know big players are coming to form um, at the very best times, namely Xander Schauffele, who's now second favourite in the market, and for good reason. But um, Jason, I'll come to you first on, on the golf course. We've obviously just been sort of talking about it before, but not much really changes at St Andrews really over the years, and it's it's just, I guess, a little bit weather-dependent as, as a defence, I suppose. Extremely, isn't it? Extremely weather-dependent. We need wind. Mm. That is that is it. It's, you know, many of the holes are drivable. Um, for me, it's not the most exciting finish. If there's no wind or there's wind behind them on 18, it's relatively simple birdie. Um it's a, it, like you said before, it's a classic course. It is historic. Um, somebody interesting tweeted, probably Justin Ray or somebody said, that it was only called the old course once the new course had been built in whatever it was, 1837 or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, it's it's there. The, you know, the Swilker Bridge, we've had we've had the photos, the Nicholas's, you know, and all that. Tom Watson retiring here from the Open. Um, and that's that's the whole point of St Andrews. As, as a course itself, um, it has to have wind. You 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 have to. I mean, the greens are huge. They're very undulating. You need to tuck the pins on the sides, and you need wind to give them something to think about. They need to think about where they're going to put the shot. Um, it's not like you know a regular event where you just take half a club up or club you know club down. Um, it's like Augusta, very much in that you need to know where you're going to miss it. Uh, and obviously the pot bunkers are are an absolute nightmare as they were at Scotland over the weekend. Yeah. Um, it, it, we've got to have wind. If we don't have wind, then um, it's not going to be as exciting as it mm-hmm. could be. Let's put it like that. No, I agree. I think, like you say, you touch upon air. The bunkers are the kind of thing that me and Sky kind of just sort of spoke about on, on the Mayor Media Network, and that was kind of our only real defence other than weather, Brad. But is there anything else that you'd kind of focus uh, on? Well, I reckon they could obviously they can make tricky pin placements. Yeah. Um, stuff other than that, yeah, as Jason said, we need. We need the weather. I suppose they, I don't know if they've grown the rough out. I haven't actually, haven't seen anyone drop a ball into any of the rough yet. So. Yeah, we've, we've seen, we've seen Sandbound <laughs> slamming balls into the ground and showing that they're, you know, they're bouncing back up. So that's to yeah. show that it's baked out. But if it's, if it's firm and fast, like conditions, it was definitely like stopped the scoring getting like out of hand. And, but, um, yeah, I just hope we get a bit of wind and it isn't looking like we're going to get like 
that much like severe weather of conditions at the moment. So it could play easy. I hope it doesn't play too easy, but whatever it's going to be, it's going to be a. I don't really, I never really mind like about the scoring thing. I know a lot of people like the maybe more purist and traditional viewers kind of you know just want to see them struggle a little bit, and I and I do I do enjoy that. But I think there's mm-hmm. enough holes that kind of mix that in. I think generally speaking, I like to see good golf. So, um, Sky, when when you think about a statistical uh, standpoint on this, um, you know, golf course and and maybe more so when it's actually geared towards the open, what what are the sort of things that stand out to you? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing I would say would you need a short game. I mean, we saw you know glimpses of it last week, but when the greens are this size, um, it's just going to end up putting you in positions probably on the green where you're not seeing week in and week out on tour. So I think guys that can capitalize on not three putting, and then the more, I guess the more conditions turn up, the more I crank it towards short game. So if we get no wind. I mean, it's going to be a bomber's paradise. You know, you're going to be scoring galore. So I think it's going to suit specific golfers more when the conditions turn up versus the other way. So that's just kind of, uh, I think distance probably at this specific course is as beneficial as it comes with the wide open fairways. Uh, but yeah, you're just going to need that short game. And if you have to score, if the, the wind isn't up, then you definitely have the birdie opportunities. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of things skew um, this as well, because like, um, and this is great work from sort of Dave Tindall and Steve Rawlings, work from Betfair. Like three of the four best scramblers in the 2015 Open finished the week tied for better, uh, and seven of the last eight Open Championship winners have finished inside the top seven for scrambling. But the thing with that is that like there wasn't a whole lot of. I mean, there was weather affected in 2015, which which gears towards Zach Johnson being able to win. Uh, and then you think about kind of like when Louis would have been winning and when Tiger would have been winning. I mean, how much scrambling would they have really had to do? I mean, they were hitting, you know, 86% of green. So um, it, it doesn't really matter um, is, is the one thing I would say. Like, I th- I've put it down as a, as a key stat scrambling, but it's, it's really hard to actually quantify how important that was. So, Jason, the other thing that I kind of thought about was the par four scoring because you've only got two par fives and two par threes. So... 14 par fours to focus on and you know of the top 10 of the leaderboard in 2015 open championship it's only jordan ebrews that ranks outside the top 10 for par four scoring and zach who won was second the playoff protagonist was third and fourth and jordan spieth who finished fourth was better than anybody else so i think the par fours could be a huge factor chase uh, it's, 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 it's difficult i mean we saw over the weekend in scotland you know you, you you can do what you want with um with the pins to be honest with you yeah um you know, even coming down the stretch, uh, you know, on Sunday, you know, they threw a couple in that, that because of the wind turned out to be easier. That that final par three, for example, was was fairly simple. Um, six, you know, the fifteenth, fifth, fifteenth, sixteenth proved difficult. Um, par fives in the end actually were were incredibly difficult. Um, it was, I, I actually thought that was that was an awesome tournament hmm. over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just absolutely opened it up to. to 25 players as, as we came into into the final day when it shouldn't have done. Yeah, um, that's exactly what I'd like to see. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, mate. But I mean, one's easy, 18's easy. Um, they normally make the first quite simple on the course, and but I just yeah, I don't know. I mean, 17 is it's the road hole is obviously the um, you know, the, the named hole, the one they're going to potentially struggle on. Uh, but it, again, it, 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 the problem is they're just getting better and better and better. Yeah. Um, and and if you keep the same, I think McDowell said it. McDowell said, um, I think you know, if you carry on keeping the course as it is, I don't know what defence there is against um, against the modern player. Um, 
I don't want to, you know, decry or, or say there's not going to be a great tournament. It will be. Yeah. I'm just, like you say, I think if you were to say what is the best open course, I'm not sure, you know, with this quality of field, that St Andrews would be it. You know, I might be wrong and five under wins it, but... No, um, no, I think I it's saved. It's, it's, it's saved by... And it's absolutely fine. It, the fact that it's saved by nostalgia and historical, you know, mm-hmm. uh, entities is absolutely fine, Brad. Like, there, there's no issue... Uh, for that, you know, golf courses rely on that an awful lot. Like, you know, is I mean, I, I really love Augusta as a golf course, but some might argue that's not that exciting. You know, it's, it's really hard to kind of quantify what people love. Like, there'll be some real like golf course nerds out there that love the way St Andrews is laid out. So, um, really hard to kind of tell with that. But like, we, we sort of mentioned earlier, Jason, in messages, and, and we'll come to Brad and Sky on this as well. That like, how important has Masters form been to open winners and, and is it more geared towards St Andrews? So I've got here that like Tiger Woods was a multiple winner at both. That doesn't really help you much, but Zach Johnson's obviously won at both. Louis Ustazen's won the 2010 Open Championship and finished runner-up at 2015, lost in a playoff at Augusta in 2012. Danny Willits won at Augusta and finished sixth here in an open. Spieth won at Augusta, finished fourth here in an open. Leishman was one of those playoff losers in 2015. He's got three top nines at Augusta. Jason Day, fourth at the 2015 Open, and he's got second, third, fifth, and tenth at Augusta. Sergio, top ten, uh, or top six, and won the green jacket. Scott, top ten, won a green jacket. Rose, top six, nearly won a green jacket. And it just carries on like that. But, Brad, how much of that is like crossover of just elite players, and how much of it is actually important? Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, it's just all there. You've just, you've just listed it. You can't ignore it. Um, and I think it's just like both events. It's, you can be quite. It's quite generous. They're both both courses are quite generous off the tee, aren't they? And yeah. You can afford to be, and I think it just rewards a high class short game, which is usually the case in both events. So I think that's where it probably correlates. Yeah, I think I, you know I've written down here at the bottom of all of that that like if it wasn't for Ustays and Willett Leishman and and especially Zach Johnson, you maybe wouldn't worry too much about it because it's Rose, Scott, Garcia, Day, Spieth and, and Kepka. Like, that's just elite players. But when you think about Willett and Zach Johnson and, you know, Ustazen's obviously been very good in Majors Chase, but, like, I think it shows that, like, you know, there's creativity needed around the greens, the big greens, the big fairways, like, undulating fairways and uneven lies. That they're all kind of both a factor at both courses. Yeah, go back to 2010, Nick Watney. Yeah. 13th for Masters. Sean O'Hare, 10th or 14th for Masters. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that was my question to you, wasn't it? Yeah. Is it Masters or is it the fact that it's a major? Yeah. Although, you, you, like, like Brad said, you know, it can be very, very fast in different ways. Um, so the fairways can be very fast. You've got to watch where you're putting it. And the key, as I always say, the Masters, you've got to miss it in the right place. If you miss St Andrews in the wrong place, you're not getting up and down. Full yeah. stop. Mm. It's not going to happen. Um, and perhaps, perhaps that's the um, that's the correlation. Either way, it's it's. I looked at 2010, 2015, and it's it's massive. Um, unfortunately, I didn't have time to go through every single open and every single you know major. Yeah. But clearly, clearly, there's a correlation there, and it it, it will help. You're not going to you're not going to go to Augusta and win first time out generally. I don't think you're going to go to St Andrews and win first time out generally. So. No, I like that. Uh, Sky, any additional thoughts on that kind of thought process between the two golf courses? Yeah, one of the things that I thought, um, and I guess I just love it, um, across major weeks, um, the Friday podcast, Andy Johnson, it, he did a really interesting uh, preview with Tom Doak about St. Andrews, and I, I think bringing it to Jason's earlier point, um, 
there are birdie opportunities. There are, as the game grows, it's changed the course in a way that it's brought difficulty in that wasn't anticipated. And some of the way these greens are forces them into approach shots that they might take on and they take on more risk by ones that they couldn't if they just laid back. So I think it still is going to bring an interesting factor on some of the things that they might try to get too risky with. But yeah, it's just, I still think, you know, Scottish golf and, and open championships bring in a different element kind of than maybe even other majors of the masters does. I just think we're going to, we can attack a few different angles potentially in some of those other ones. And we've seen weird names on leaderboards there um, that I'm excited to talk about today. Yeah, no, I like that. So I think without further ado, we'll, we'll kind of launch into that because, you know, it's going to be long enough to talk about the players. So let's not sort of debate any further. So Rory McIlroy comes in at 10 to 1 favourite. Uh, he wasn't here in 2015 because I sort of referenced earlier, he ruptured his ankle in the leader. Um, I think he'd won three times that season already and shot a 63 in the opening round in 2010 as well. And he actually finished third despite shooting a second round 80. So he was he was really favoured for that 2015 Open. Uh, Xander Schauffele at 16 to 1. John Rahm and Jordan Spieth at 18 to 1. Uh, along with Scotty Scheffler, and then you've got Matthew Fitzpatrick at 20. And I'll kind of stop there so that we haven't got too much to go through. And, uh, Brad, I'll come to you first. Um, any of those guys that kind of stood out to you at the top? Um, Jordan Spieth. Yeah. Yeah, he's my uh, headline pick for this week. Yeah, he's usually great in majors, loves links golf. And he was, like last week, he was, he was in contention. Uh, he didn't have his game in the final round. Shot two over, 72 to fall away, but... Still finished tied 10th, and I think that's a, a good enough warm-up for the big one this week. Um, has a fantastic record in the Open. Made eight appearances, made the cut each time. Has a win and three further top 10, so that's incredible, really. It's his favourite major other than the, the Masters, of course. And he's played once at the old course, and that's back in 2015, where he finished tied fourth. Should have won that year. Like, he teed, I think he teed off on 17. It's tied for the lead, then he bogeyed the, yeah, he bogeyed the road hole and failed to uh, birdie the last. Um, so he would have won it if it was a par, if he had a par birdie finish. Yeah. Um, and he said in an interview in the past that this this course in Augusta is uh, his two favourites. Um, he isn't the same player as he was in 2015, but he's he's shown plenty of signs this year um, that he's still a top player. And, Major form was what I found a little concerning, given that he hasn't finished in the top 30 in either of them this year. I think he'll be extra motivated for this one, um, given how much the course event like means to him. Uh, I just think he's very much due a performance in a major. So, yeah, I'm all I'm all in on the on Jordan this week. Yeah, I think I think the thing is with with Jordan is like like you referenced earlier, he has had a bad year in terms of majors. Like he missed his first ever Masters cut. He finished 34 at the PGA. I think. A lot of that PGA, I think, was down to um, playing with Tiger in the first two rounds. I keep sort of mm-hmm. referencing the same thing for both him and Rory. I think they both just got encapsulated by what he was doing. Um, the 37th at the US Open doesn't really bother me. I don't think it was a great golf course for him. I think it kind of highlights some of his uh, driving issues, which Lynx Golf doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. Jace, is it fair to say that Spieth has probably been the best Open player for the last decade? Yeah. Uh- yeah, and it, but the, the thing I've got, and I agree. I mean, he's in my he's in my selections, and, yeah. and I, I find it hard to to disagree with that. Um, I mean, he was six to green last week, and if you look at his, um, you know, I mean, he's gone, isn't he? Last year, he did, you know, he'd lost it completely. Yeah, he was six to green over the weekend. He, this season, 
He's led the teats green stats heritage, Texas, Pebble. Um, he repeats those as well. Those third uh, teat green, Texas 2021, and sixth at Pebble in 2021. So we know he repeats. Um, he's got US Open form. He's obviously got Masters form. He's tied himself up off the tee um, since the Texas Open. Uh, ranked top 10 three times in the last eight starts. It's it's Jordan. I mean, you, you know, you've you've covered everything. Um, he covers the wins in his record and resume, whatever you want to say. Uh, my only issue with Jordan, and I will be back in it, but my only issue is, I think Jordan plays his game, whatever happens, whatever the course is. And the dip, more difficult it is, the more the others have to adjust rather than him. The problem is, when it's not suiting him, others will get ahead, like they did over the weekend. It was like he purposely sticks himself in trouble <laughs> in order to do... Yeah. It, it, that's yeah, exactly yeah. what it's like. Yeah. He purposely does it in order to do something silly. Silly, yeah. you know. Um, I mean, that, that that bunker shot on the final par three was, was a shocker, but, I mean, that's one shot, so it's not worry too much about it. But that is my issue with Jordan. I'll be on, but if there's no wind or it's very light, I don't think he can win because mm. it just brings everything up. The more difficult... Jordan will play Jordan. Everybody's got to come up to Jordan standard, and that's my only issue with him. Yeah, I, 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 so I, I've, okay. yeah, I, I think I have. I, I guess to me, at that price, if you see an angle in which this might not fit, like that's where I question. Like, of course, you say he is the best Open Championship player of the last decade. And I, I guess I don't disagree. I just, I have concern that if it becomes driver heavy and one is is that putter good enough right now? I mean that putter has not been good this season. Not been great. I mean if you look at three putt percent, you look at the things that matter. Like it's nowhere near the Jordan we loved and trusted uh, on the greens like it used to be. Uh, I mean ripping my heart out with a Matt Kuchar ticket and everybody else. You know like those. <laughs> that's what I think of of that. So if if the conditions are up, and I think we'll talk on another golfer that I feel kind of similar aspect to probably a little bit more confident in the number later on but um i guess like if i'm comparing somebody of of this nature to another golfer with with very a, a very similar outright number like i can't pick apart matthew fitzpatrick outside of if you go into like it's it just do you believe in the open history and that continues going or do you believe with probably the best player this season outside of Scotty Scheffler at a deeper number this week. Because I have a tough time not starting with Fitzy. I was incredibly impressed at what he did last week coming mm -hmm. off of, you know, a major championship to finish sixth like he did. Like, I, I don't know. Like, that's the questions that I end up having, Spieth, because I don't know if I see the angle where, where Fitz would struggle as much as, as Spieth might. Yeah, I like all of that. Before we go on to Fitz, because I think Jason will probably be speaking about him as well, but like I will just say that I'm going to go with Xander and I am going to go with Spieth as well, which is really boring. But like I've, I've tried to get away from people in the past and I, and I did it uh, with Scotty Sheffield at the Masters. I tried to go with Justin Thomas and kind of galaxy brain myself. And, um, you know, I sort of said the same thing about Fitzpatrick. I just didn't do it because of the price and it was all very obvious. And, you know, this time I'm just not going to do it. Like his open record is just... Phenomenal. He's tied uh, second at the Carnoustie. I think works really well. Like, there's been a lot of crossover between Carnoustie and St Andrews, and I'm not going to go into that because we'll be here all night. But um, I, I've written it down for something that's coming out for Roger Checker later. So there's a crossover there that I really like. I think the fact that he's won both of these last two events without his best stuff on the Sunday is actually a good thing. Like he's clutched up at the very last minute, which is something he hasn't been able to do 
in previous events he's kind of played badly and mucked up at the end or is this time he's kind of got over the line so I think if he just gets out on a quick start on Sunday if he's in that kind of contention um, I think the nerves will set him down um, and, and that's really important so I, I really like Xander I do like Spieth I, I do understand Sky's uh, point of view there and, and a lot of that does make sense so um, yes I, I, I would take that on board I just I just believe in Jordan Spieth so much at the moment um, which is strange because a year ago I'd have said the complete opposite so um, Xander and Spieth for me but Jace follow up on, uh, on what Sky said there about Fitzpatrick yeah yeah I mean just sorry just quickly just a, like a minute or so yeah. um, I think the problem is I think this is impossible. If we're talking about getting a winner, yeah. Now, Sky, I mean, I'm sure you know we can get 12 places over here, yeah. But if we're talking about getting a winner, um, you're not looking very far down here at all. Yeah. So I don't think there's anything wrong with picking three, four, five that are under 33 to one. No. Um, you know, on this occasion, very much like the Masters, really. Um, you know, it's pointless. It's pointless going into tre- treble figures for me um, if you're trying to look for the winner. Um, with Xander, obviously. You know, we 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 get married, um, but with that, with Xander, uh, my my issue, and I kept tweeting it all weekend, was that pronounced overdraw, as I call it. You can call it a hook, you can call it a, a pull, you can do whatever you like. Uh, it's not really that. He just draws everything, and what he's going to do to a you know right hand pin with a left to right wind or something like that. That's my that is a concern. Um, incredibly impressive for for yesterday. I mean. 17 was just unbelievable um you know but it again i hate people that make bogey to win tournaments <laughs> uh, but look i went through his figures last week it's, it's what he's doing is what we thought he would do um for the last couple of years um and we said in 2020 when we started this wherever you see scotty sheffler you see sander schuffler yeah. um in the stats it hasn't quite worked out they've separated in quite a few categories now um you know, obviously, Scotty went through this awesome run, and that looks like Xander's going to. And let's face it, last week, first seat of green, seventh approaches, 15th around, 27th in pay, fifth in greens and reds. I mean, what do you want? Yeah. Um, the, I mean, is he going to be exhausted? That's another worry. On the other hand, what do you want in a player? You know, if it was Tiger Woods and he, he'd been working that hard, you wouldn't have an issue, you know. Um, so he's in. Right, back to Matty Fitz. Very sorry. <laughs> um, he wasn't, uh, I mean, obviously, everybody watched him last week. There were things that weren't quite right with Matty Fitz last week. Um, no idea what happened. He wasn't quite on his game. I think he lost on approaches for the first time since when he was second at the DP Worlds back in November. I don't have a particular worry about it. I don't think that's a long-lasting thing at all. It's it's a, a small loss. Um, and everything else about his game was bang on. You know, he's 10th in scrambling. Um, his scrambling is going very, very well now. He's been first twice and uh, top five three times. His last 10 starts were scrambling. Three other occasions have been top 25. He's long off the tee. He knows the course. Um, he's played it five times in the Daniel Links 26-15. Daniel Links tends to be set up a lot easier, obviously, than the Open will be. Um, I agree, I think. Yeah, he's my third one out of the top top half a dozen, to be honest with you. I've got no problem. He's got the US Open form I'm looking for. He's got the Masters form that I'm looking for. He hasn't missed the cut there in six starts since he was seventh in 2016. And his next best Masters performance is 14th this year. Then he goes on to win the US Open. No problem. He's going to be in the top on the front page of the leaderboard. Yep. No, I like that a lot. Sky, anything to add on Fitz before we kind of move on from there? No, it's it's just sometimes these these happen to like when you reflect after the event. Like if I reflected after the Masters, it was so obvious. You know, it was so obvious about Scheffler. 
And thankfully, like, it, I mean, people probably thought that afterwards, you know, at the U.S. Open with, with that one, two, three, that was there. I just want to make sure I take and, and it's early in the week. We're talking about Monday here. You know, there's a lot of things that can still be in play and haven't like really fully finalized everything yet. But like he's the one when I'm looking at here, like I still think it's right, right for the picking. So very intrigued at that number. Yep, I like that. Brad, anything on Fitz before we kind of move on? No, no, I agree with, agree with all that. It's just it's a tough one to sort of like look over at the moment with what he's doing. He's just got an all-round game and link specialist, and he just has got that desire, you know, a bit between his teeth, as you alluded to earlier, that I was very impressed with his performance last week, you know, after the fact he just won the US Open, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him up there again. Yeah, just before we completely move on from Rory McIlroy and John Rahm, is it just price... Brad, that, that puts you off Roy McIlroy? Because other than that, I, I can't really find a fault in him other than the fact yeah, that... It's, it's, it's literally, it's just price. I mean, I can't, he's the one to beat, really. I mean, there's a few... Uh, it's just price. It's just, he just he just looks a little bit fragile for someone that's basically a single-digit uh, He still hasn't, you know, hasn't won a major in eight years. So he's still got it on his shoulders, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit short for me. Yeah, and I, and I really don't like John Rahm's attitude at the moment. I think he's blaming no, everything but stinky. himself. Uh, which is yeah, yeah, not good. Jace, anything on those two before we move on swiftly? Yeah, I don't want. I don't want John Rahm at no. all. Absolutely, absolutely cannot possibly see him winning this. No. Scott, anything on Rory or John Rahm before we move on? Uh, no, I, I don't think I have interest in either. Cool, great, folks. Sweaty sack summer is approaching, and it's now time for you to prioritise the comfort of your crotch. That's why the king of crotch comfort, Manscaped, has spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. Now I've had the honour of testing out these new boxers, and I can say it's the softest fabric of any underwear I've ever owned. It's so breathable that it's like gills for your groin. They even trademark the jewel pouch so you know it's serious. I think it's time for you to invest into your family jewels, so let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping by using the code LFW20 at Manscaped. Let's say you're on a date and your partner catches that Manscaped on the waistband of your underwear, it's almost a guarantee to raise some eyebrows and act like a billboard on a highway to Pleasure Town. The micro model fabric is buttery soft and breathable, keeping your cucumber cool. Walk, run or strut, these moisture wicking boxes breathe without breaking a sweat. The tagless waistband hugs your body without digging in and lays flat against your skin to reduce the chafing and the front fly opening gives easy access and makes bath and breaks quick and efficient. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code LFW20 at manscaped.com and that's 20% off and free shipping with LFW20 at manscaped.com. So once the boxes 2.0 touch your sack, you will never go back. So Scotty Scheffler is, you know, I think he has to be respected, but I don't think it's someone that we're, uh, you know, any of us are as keen on as we, we have been in, in previous majors. So I don't think we want to spend too much time on that. So Shane Lowry's kind of sandwiched in here at the price, which... You know, I think it's a little bit on the short side. I know, obviously, it just felt like it was destined in Ireland as opposed to anything else. Um, Patrick Cantlay's sort of come into my line of thinking, which was weird considering how much I go against him. But he looked like he was going to show up in the final round yesterday and didn't in the end. So brings us to Cameron Smith, Brad, who I know you're yep. no doubt itching to talk <laughs> about. Um, and, and for once, I'm actually with you. So I'll let you make the case and I'll just follow up. Yeah, no, it just comes as no surprise, of course, sticking with him. Uh, my Scottish Open selections were proper shite last <laughs> week, but <laughs> Smith nearly backdoored some place money only for that bogey down the last. He finished tied 10th instead, but I think that's still a, a really decent effort. And he's yet to, I was saying too early, he's yet to really prove himself. 
on a British links and last week was his best result on them yet. Um, I do think he has all the attributes and I just think that finish will give him a little bit of confidence that his game can transfer over. And he drove the, wall, the ball really well, which is quite frustrating last week. His fifth in accuracy, which has been his Achilles heel all year. Um, definitely think the generous fairways at the old course will help him in that department. Um, encouraging to see it's improving anyway. Approach play has been brilliant all year, but it's dipped past couple of events. Showed signs it was returning in the last round um, where he shot 67. Uh, he was ranked 22nd in approach, so I'm hoping he can carry that momentum over this week. And he's just got that elite game around the gate, uh, around the greens and the ability to play in the wind, which is always needed, as we said earlier, at an Open Championship. And um, we all know Barnell Smith has that. He has he has that in abundance. I mean, having said that, he was very poor in the second round last week, but I'll, I'll let him off. Um, but yeah, he's had, he has an underwhelming record in this event. Uh, in the Open, with, he's only he's had best finish was 20th at Royal Port Rush in 2019. So and he's he's made uh, I think he's, he's made four appearances. I think he's missed the cut twice. Um, but yeah, he's shown his stages last week in Adaptive Game, and he has. I think he has the skill set of an Open champion. So if it isn't this week, I do believe at some stage he will lift the claret jug. Yeah, I, I was, I was feeling very smug when he was struggling on Friday, <laughs> thinking that I was really smart, and then all of a sudden he came hey back man, over the weekend. Be a team here. Yeah, I know, I know. But just more because, like, <laughs> I feel like, like I've drawn a line through him for for certain events, and. And this was one of them. And then all of a sudden he bounces back. And when you look at how he did it, like he, he'll show that he was 60th in tee to green last week, but he was actually 30th in the field on day one where he gained over basically two and a half strokes. And then final day he gained nearly 3.3 and was fifth in the field. So he had one disaster round, um, one round. you know, where he lost over four strokes tee to green. Um, but like you said, his, his tee off the tee game is improving. It's also more generous here um he's shown at augusta in the past that the more generous things kind of benefit him which is you yeah. know really important so um i'm gonna give it a chance i think i think if there's ever going to be an open venue that i think suits cameron smith it'll be this one like when you look at 2015 there was like three aussies inside the top 10 and you know mm -hmm. you see him mark leishman jason day adam scott and i was having this conversation with uh matt on the on the drafting show yesterday like <clears throat> i think it's probably like you'd say like okay there's that's three aussies but they're the three elite Aussie players right but now you have to put Cameron Smith in that reckoning and I think Cameron Smith is actually probably a better player than Mark Leishman maybe already um, so he kind of just basically replaces him and, and Jason Day and Adam Scott are what they were at the time and but even beyond that you kind of got like Marcus Frazier was 20th, Stephen Bowditch was 30th, Matt Jones was 30th like they just have a very good record here um, I think I think he will follow that up as well so uh, Cameron Smith with you which was really not something I had uh, in my mind and, and all of a sudden I'm looking at a speed shuffle a Smith card but like like Jason said earlier I just don't want to get away from you know the top of the board just for the sake of it, it just seems really silly to do and you, you've kind of yeah. just got to focus on the guys that you think can win especially in the last major of the year um, I think there's time to back these kind of outsiders at different points so um, Cameron Smith there for, for me and you Brad um, Sky, I know before we, we kind of came on, you were interested in talking about Will Zalatoris, and he's sitting here with the best number we've got on him is 30 to 1. He's generally kind of 25 to 1 with, with the better place terms here. Talk to us about Will Zalatoris and why he's at least in your thinking at the start of the week. Yeah, I mean, it's it's similar to, to Fitz in the sense that it it just seems so obvious if you look through. I mean, what if you 
every made cut he's had since the Players' Championship has resulted in a, in a top six finish, you know, inside those places where they're paying him out. I mean, last week he was very – even though – his Scottish Open lead-up, even last year, I mean, what, he, he withdrew last year in the Open Championship. I guess he hasn't shown that display of Link's prowess um, in him, but I don't see why it wouldn't fit. I mean, the improving short game, the major championship putting that he's got, yeah. you know, I, I do, I, I have a bigger, I guess the greens are going to be slower. So, like, I, I, I trust him a lot more than people give him credit for on the greens. Um, but, I mean, it's still a little bit of a concern in a sense, but I don't know. I just think that number keeps growing. Like, it seems like he's going to be 22, 25 to one. And then all of a sudden major championship week shows up and he'll probably find himself out to 33s again. And it's like, okay, like at that point, there might not be anybody more in the world that I trust in a, in a major like him. And I think either way the, the weather plays out, the more difficult it gets, the better. But at, at these kind of range, I guess I trust that consistency so much right now. Yeah, so I think I think he is the true like. If there is no weather, it's, it's really weird with Zalatoris because like if there's no weather, his ball striking prowess comes to the fore. I think we kind of spoke about that on on our show earlier, right? Like that's that's a beneficial to him if it's more of an American style kind of point and shoot uh, approach thing. But on the flip side to that, like his improved putting has come at major championships. And I think that's become because there were he was gaining strokes for making par putts. Whereas I think this time around, there's going to be a lot of birdie looks that he's going to have. And I think that's my only concern is that if if the, if the scoring suits his general all-round play um, and, and leans into his approach and driving, that maybe that's where his passing gets away from him this time. Yeah, I mean, if you looked at three-putt percent and different things, like it, it's still not the best. Um, but it's not as bad as what people... People, I just think that number is pretty good for, again, you'd say somebody who is probably top five in form yeah. know, right now type of thing. Um, so I just think that number gets very enticing. Yep, no, I agree with that. I think I think it's one of those ones like last week I was on here saying that I'd probably just wait until this week to back him and then I've let myself get put off by basically a miscut. And, you know, that that's kind of a dangerous thing to do. But I'm going to stick with it. I just think that there's, you know, more obvious cases for me around here. But I, I do respect that he's... You know, outside of Fitz and Scheffler, probably the most consistent golf in the world uh, for a decent period of time. So, Jace, on to Tommy Fleetwood. Is someone that's kind of on your list? He's my best bet of the week. Okay. Which I'd never thought a year ago, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but he is. So, there we are. Um, he just comes to a venue that um, he wants. Yeah. He loves, um, you know, he, he loves Open Week. He, you know, um, and he's coming here. And, and after that performance... And it wasn't the fact that he was okay. He was on telly a lot on on Sunday. Yeah. But it was that 67 that he hit. You know, exactly the same. You know, so he's gone 69, 67, 67 the last three rounds. Yeah. Um, what's impressive for me is is his figures. Um, T. Green he improved during the week. He was well off during the week, um, according to Tour Tips. Um, he was 80th, 80th, 11th, and then obviously led T. To green. Yeah. Um, his his putts per greens in regulation were 145th. Which is, you know, that's worse. That, that's the sort of figure they give Zalatoris, even though it's not true. Yeah. Um, just back on the Zalatoris thing, people notice you miss more putts because you give yourself more eight footers. Of course, yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? And and that's why it happens. So. And he's just got that bad stroke as well, isn't he? Like it looks horrible. Yes. So people just assume yes, he can't if make. You have eight, if you have eighteen, you only make nine. Then you have three, and you make three. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. um, anyway, um, putts per greens regulation went 145, 28, 6, 29. But what impressed was his scrambling. So whatever he did, tee to green. 
His scrambling stats throughout were 25th, 26th and 13th, which ended up second in the tournament. Now, that's on a Lynx course. That's what he prefers. That's where he's shown his best scrambling. Um, I, I, I was very, very uh, taken by what he did. Um, OK, he lets you down when he, you know, he's let you down. He should have won an awful lot more second to Aaron Rye, but he was still second in Scotland to Aaron Rye. Yeah. He was second to Larry at Port Rush. He was second uh, at Shinnecock to Brooks. He was second to Brooks at um, Erin. And what I like about that is obviously plus one was the score at Shinnecock, uh, where he scored seven under in the final round. Unbelievable round. I think Matt Vincenzi said was the greatest round he's ever seen. Something like that. Yep. Um, and then it was 16 under the winning score at Erin. So it doesn't matter what it is. Um, I prefer him on, on more difficult tracks. Um, go through his history. I mean, you know, Abu Dhabi, he beats Ross Fisher, Roy McElroy. Um, uh, Thomas Peters all have got former Masters, which I like as a correlation. Um, I, I love him. I mean, he's tied second at the Lynx twice. Yes, he should have won it, but I'm not bothered. At 40 to 1 to first 10, which is what I took last night, I thought that was cracking value. The way he is, the, the upbeat, he's, he's one of the most popular golfers on the tour. And um, I'm well up for him this week. I thought the last week was perfect. Yeah, I, I think he was really, really impressive last week. And, and there was a tough decision in the end, like there was last week for me, between him and Cyril Hassan. In the end, I've just gone with neither so that I don't have to make the decision, um, which is really cowardly. But, like, I mean, you look at Fleetwood's course form, which, of course, on tour tips includes the all the Dunhill links rotors, right? But, like, he's only missed the one cut, and that was at the Open Championship. But he was actually inside the top 18 after the first day and then shot 76 in round two. And I can't remember necessarily what wave he was in, anything like that. So that could have been... Um, a factor and I think you know he's like he's just showing once Tommy shows the tee screen stuff that you need to see that's all you really need to be confident about Tommy Fleetwood the one thing I would say about Till Hatton as their group right next to one another is like I originally said no because he missed the cut here uh, at the British Open in 2015 and then you know but when you look at it he missed his first three cuts in the Dunhill links and then one Dunhill looks 2016 one Dunhill looks 2017 two runner-up finishes should have won it again last year so maybe he just kind of figured it out in the end, and he's actually very good at St. Andrews in general. So Tyrrell Hatton is kind of getting a little bit of a look to me. Uh, Colin Morikawa, as we're speaking, has just been boosted to 40 to 1 on that Bet365 boost, which I've just taken, which is, you know, absolutely absurd. Um, I don't actually fancy his chances, but if it does go to that kind of American-style uh, point-and-shoot as he had last year, then, you know, if anyone's going to back up, you know, open championship wins, it would be someone like him, Brad. So... Um, I think that's, that's a really That's just a, a clever number player, that isn't it? Yeah, they, be... they absolutely know that everyone's going to bet that. You know, not even believing that he can necessarily win, just that it's forty yeah. to one. So they're not they're not stupid there, uh, but they, they could get caught out. So um, another guy here, I think we'll come to uh, Brooks first, Sky. Um, so the first of the kind of live golfers off the board uh, to speak about, and you, you've been encouraged by some of the stuff that he's been doing recently. It's a tough conversation, I think, to have about <laughs> about any of these guys. But I'm I'm trying to just focus on what I would establish as, as the golf side of things. And yeah. I mean, what the the major prowess of what we've known of, of Kepka for the last four or five years, you know, has been unbelievable. And I think it's it's actually even overlooked at, at the Open Championship consistency too. I mean three top sixes, four top fives in his last five starts um, here, you know, all across different styles of courses. And 
of the ones that, you know, he has specifically said, like he, he literally said after, you know, I think it was his first U.S. Open, that he will win a, a major someday at St. Andrews. Just his favorite course, absolutely loves it. You know, 65 here um, in, in 2018, uh, one of his best runs here. I mean, he opened 68, 69 uh, in, in the Open Championship with a strong finish there. I mean, I, I just think he's shown it on this course. He has also backed that up. Um, with just the way his game is. I think, again, if we talk about short game and driving, it, it was what Brooks was at the top of his game. I think he's another golfer that the number is just going to be increasing as the week potentially goes on. I wouldn't be surprised if he saw that dip into the 60s out there. I see 50s already. And I guess I, I would just really kick myself knowing that I've had it written down for years that this is where I've targeted this spot. He was first or second in greens and regulation at the last live event. He was inside the top five through two rounds, played okay with JP McManus has been overseas for a couple of weeks now um, here in lead up. I guess it's just, if I'm taking one last shot with, with this guy that I've backed for years now, hmm. th this is the spot I want to do it at. Yeah, I, I get all that. And I think for me, it was like, there's three live golfers. That I think are worth consideration and it's Brooks, DJ and Louie. Right. And I think, I've been basically every major this year. I've kind of gone, oh, DJ looks a big price, and Brooks looks a big price because no one likes him anymore. And it's live, and it's you know they were slightly injured, or DJ was getting married, and probably had a few too many parties or whatever. Like there's always been a reason for it. Um, if I was going to go to any one of the three, it'd be Louis. I just, I just, you know, he's he's never been beaten in regulation here, so he's he's won one and lost in the playoff. Like that's just absurd. And you know he played better at the last live event. It's really hard to quantify what that live form means. Um, so yeah, I think it's gonna break a lot of people's hearts if one of these guys wins uh, on Sunday. I think a lot of people are gonna be very upset, Brad, uh, yeah. if a live golfer wins. But like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I also think, yeah, you, you just mentioned Jason. How popular Tommy Fleetwood is? Like, there's definitely rumours that he's going over, and you know, <laughs> that could change everyone's opinion in, in an instant. So, um, I think I think you've just got to like Sky said, you just got to stick to the golf side for now and, and talk about what we know about. Um, and, I, and I think Louis would be the one of the three, but I, you know I can't really get. I think people need to remember like DJ was 36 hole leader here in 2015 and basically had to sit in the clubhouse for like four days before he could play again. So it's no real surprise that he struggled uh, in those final two rounds. But um, come on, Brett. No, I was going to say, I don't know, maybe Patrick Reed is the type of bastard who could come over and, <laughs> you know, just tear it up. Yeah, there's always one. He's got that form. I don't think he needs to be included if, with the three that you uh, mentioned. I like that. I think I think that there is interest. I mean, look, two years ago, we were saying that Bryson was going to ruin St. Andrews and for everyone and it was going to change golf. So um, he's now available over 100 to 1 on Betfair if you, if you think there's anything in the fact that he improved a little bit of live. But... Um, yeah, I think that's enough on, on that before I get cancelled for being a live supporter again. Um, so, Tony Finau, Brad. And this is a guy that... Yeah, big time. I think I always want to play, which, you know, I think Jason's probably in the early parts of this podcast tried to kind of rein it in. Um, and I've been through the heartbreak with him uh, mm -hmm. at Augusta mainly, which is, you know, a good pointer for, for what we're thinking. But his record's just, like, you know, he's got back-to-back -back top tens at the Dunhill Links. Yeah. Um, and then you just look at his open record, like it's just absurd. Like he's never finished worse than twenty seventh. Um, uh, that's just absurd. that's insane, really. Like over five venues, he's got he's he's only getting better. Really ninth, third, and fifteenth for the last three. 
Um, I like, you know, what he did at Carnoustie. I keep sort of referencing that and I'm mean, yeah. enjoying that. So, uh, Fina, I think, is it one of those ones where do you believe he can win? Hi, listeners. I'm just going to quickly interrupt this Open Championship preview to talk to you about our newest sponsor on the Lost Words podcast, Athletic Greens. Now, Athletic Greens' AG1 product has been an amazing addition to my daily routine and one that I did not know I needed until I was introduced to it for the first time. Like everyone in these busy times, I struggle for energy, especially on these major golf weeks, and I never really want to rely on energy drinks or coffee or anything like that to get me through. So instead, AG1 is an all-in-one solution that boosts your energy, optimizes your immune system, improves gut health, and replaces the need for multiple pills and vitamins. So it's incredibly healthy, and contrary to popular belief, when things are that healthy, it does taste great as well. So what is it? Well, one scoop of AG1 in your morning glass or bottle of water will see you absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens. This allows you to start your day off right in terms of your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, and focus. Oh, and your aging, which as I approach my 30s, is especially appreciated. Now, AG1 is a uh, lifestyle-friendly solution, so no matter whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, you can use the AG1 product alongside your normal routine. On top of that, one of my favourite things is that the founder of Athletic Greens created a product due to a ton of his own gut health issues that he was having. So, you know, it led to an extremely complicated routine that was costing him $100 a day, so he had to find a solution. So with that in mind, you know, the, the product was created for a clear purpose, and there was a passion and need behind its creation. AG1 will come in particularly handy for me this week as I try and juggle travel, gym routines, full-time work, golf podcasts and all those sort of things so when it comes to gym time instead of making excuses for my energy i can just go there knowing that ag1 will get me through right now it's time for you to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day and that's it no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health to make it easy athletic green scans give you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs for your first purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash lfw Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash LFW to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I'm not sure. I, I, I do. I think he's... I, I worry, obviously, if he was in contention because um, he has has history. But I just think it's just, an, uh, again, a great number on him of uh, given you, everything you've just said, his record. Um, he's been in great form recently. Had that tied for Charles Schwab, second at the Canadian Open, and then uh, tied 13 for the Travellers. Obviously, a bit disappointing, that miscut at the US Open, but uh, same as Spieth. They're usually players that up their game for the majors, but he hasn't finished, I don't think he has, yeah, he hasn't finished inside the top 30. Same as Spieth all year yeah. in, uh, in the three events, so that is a little bit concerning. Um, he's said in the past how much he loves playing on Lynx course. He enjoys the creativity it takes to play that type of golf. Wishes he had more opportunities to play it. Uh, so you can see that from his open record, which you alluded to earlier. And yeah, I just I just think it's like 50 to 1. Uh, I, th I just think that's a, a big number on him. You've got 10 places on him. Uh, can he win? Uh, I think he's got the ability, but maybe struggles a bit mentality, his mentality when he's in contention. Um, but he's it's just he has he had that bad start to the year but i think he's coming into a bit of form and you can't if you couple that recent form uh with his record in open championships and also as you said the the two tenths at the dunhill links you know he's got, it's too much to you can't ignore it it's it's just uh had to get on him this week yeah i agree with a lot of that and you see like you consider this like a down year for Tony Finau, and he's still ninth tee to green, fifteenth in approach, nineteenth off the tee, and twenty fourth in strokes gained total. Yeah. Like, 
it's it's really impressive considering he's nowhere near his, his best. Putting. I just think it's been his putting that's been, but he's generally, I, I think if you see, uh, he raises his game, like his putting stats improve um, on at the Open, you know. So I, I do think, uh, as you just said, his strokes game numbers have been so solid. Um, and yeah, I think it's just been, it just needs to get the putter going a bit. Yeah, I think you know what we're learning from from people like Xander Schauffele and, and and others in the you know Scotty Scheffler is is the clearest example probably in recent memory. Like your opinions can change on these people within a week. Like we thought it changed when Finau beat you know won that playoff event. It didn't really transpire, and he struggled a little bit since. But like maybe you just knew that was going to come with added pressure and didn't really cope with it. It's a interesting case study for sure. But um, mm. you know we, we're kind of approaching you know. The, 20 minutes before Sky has got to kind of jump off and I want to kind of get his final thoughts on the three or four players that he wants to talk about. So let's get those in um, and then we can kind of go down the board if we want to. Um, so Sky, Ryan Fox is kind of, again, you know, you haven't settled on your card. You're going to see a lot of the weather, but like, what do we what do we do with Fox? I mean, we had a discussion on there that like, I think he showed enough that he should really be considered again. Yeah, so I, I guess... And as I kind of listen in more and, and know the differences of, of American betting versus international betting and some of the places, like I, I'm wrapping my head around a little bit more of the, the 10 plus places that you can get on some of these guys and, and the, the awesome odds that come with it. Yeah. And I guess what, what, I, what I find of, of value here in the States are some of these guys that I, that I might talk to in sometimes on the on the DraftKings perspective, on the DFS perspective of guys that might get overlooked or are the live guys not going to be owned enough? You know, some of these different things um, that, that factor into why they're even more on the radar. And when we get into here, so like Ryan Fox, perfect example, $7,100 uh, on DraftKings this week and somebody who has shown very consistent contention on our favorite tour, you know, I mean, and if I if I summed up what what mattered, the the driving distance, the around the green prowess, you know, the ability to get really hot with the putter, I mean, that is what Fox has done. Now it's outright numbers eighty to one um, in most spots over here, which isn't you know the prettiest, but do I think do I think that he could ha- absolutely have a really strong week? I, I really do, and, and if I kept that same line of thinking, and the price has now doubled from what last week is we have 180 to one on Lucas Herbert. I think of, of guys who even more than Fox who shows that ability and who has done it stateside um, in, in some bigger events, like Lucas Herbert's ability to get really hot with a short game. I, I couldn't have been more disappointed in that final nine holes, how it went on Friday. The fact that he missed the cut after literally I was like, all right, man, you know, he, he's making a run at this thing to win being T six early, early in the second round. It was like, okay, you lose that, but my thinking is no different with him. You know, I mean, it really is. He just has that high upside. It's almost it's almost like what Kitayama displayed in some sense, that he missed the cut when you liked him before. It comes out the next week and, and shouldn't have changed any thought process because I think Herbert has that, that 90 percentile plus game that can play with the best in the world, and the number has now doubled, and he's really cheap on DraftKings. I, I am absolutely going back to Herbert because of that same line of thinking. I think both those guys can play a part of, of that similar game um, where they can drive it and chip and putt with the best of them out there. Yeah, I think, I think first of all, like you said, like it was a devastating miscut. I, I genuinely thought he was going to be in contention, like uh, Jason and, and, and me and Sky were both, like, already keen on him. So, like, it, it was a really tough miscut to take. But, like, if you take out the positives, he was he was right there. And I think the, you know, the... 
that this course can suit him. That's absolutely fine. And back to kind of Ryan Fox, like a little bit like Cameron Smith, he had two really good tee to green rounds last week. Like round two, he gained over four and a half strokes on tee to green, and round four, he gained over two again. So like there was enough in there. Like I, I said, you know, Renaissance wasn't a good golf course for him, and that maybe his current form would kind of overcome that. It didn't. Um, again, this is still not the best golf course for him uh, in terms of final finishes, but. You look at the the first 36 holes in 2020 uh, at the Dunhill Links, and he was shot 64 in round one, 68 in round two, and he was he was right there. And you worry that maybe it's St Andrews versus the, the other courses that he kind of makes his score on. But you know, I, th- I think it's fine. I, th- I think there's been some stuff in in Open Championships in the past where Fox has, has shown flashes. I mean, he's made four or five cuts in the Open. Uh, he's got a best finish of 16th um, two opens ago, which I think was the Royal Port Rush with Shane Lowry. So, you know, I think there's, there's enough to like about Ryan Fox that, especially with those place terms, like 11 places at 66 to 1, is you're getting basically the hottest golfer on the DP World Tour. If you want to take that angle, um, then that's probably the place to go. So um, completely understand the reasoning is to kind of go back to the world with um, both Fox and Herbert. But... Now you're going to have to have one of those uncomfortable conversations again, Sky, uh, with Taylor Gooch. Man, I mean, I am probably talking on the the two golfers who have made themselves look like the biggest fools (laughs) over the last couple of weeks. And again, maybe I guess we we don't know about a lot of golfers out there. So maybe there are other people that just keep quiet. unlike those the two that I'm interested in this week. But it's just from a pure numbers standpoint and what we're seeing, like, I mean, Gucci is out to 200 plus, um, you know, I don't know what that looks at some of the spots that have 10, 12 places, but back to back live events. He, he led the field with greens and regulation at the U S open. I believe he was in the bad wave and he still was lights out with the iron. Just didn't have the short game. I mean, open championship last year, finished 33rd. It, it just, when I look at the other guys kind of littered around him in some of the numbers, he just seems to be, uh, a different class in some ways that, I mean, how highly did we think of him going into this year? Yeah. You know, it was just the same as we did with Sam Burns almost. And now Burns has kicked on a little bit more, of course, but I don't know. I just think, it, and he's really cheap in DraftKings. And again, people are going to overlook him because of his embarrassing comments. And I am not <laughs> in any support of, of him or Brooks by saying this or, or backing them. It's just what I think the numbers kind of spit out and the interest that they could have um, this week. So it, he just feels of the, if I would add one more to the live list, I just I would be remiss not to look at him because his numbers are are pretty interesting. Yeah, I think I think with Gooch, he is like I mean I always used to say it with with Jason earlier in the podcast that like Patrick Reed was always a bigger number than he should have been because people didn't like him, and now Taylor Gooch is going to be probably double the number he should be because he decided to compare the live golf to the Ryder Cup, which is you know just just the worst thing I've ever heard in my entire life and. You know, I've been pretty reasonable with these guys so far. But when you like, you talk about the number standpoint, like he, if at the tail end of um, 2021, was the start of the season, he finished fourth, eleventh, and fifth, and then eleventh again in Mexico. Then he wins in the RSM. Then he starts the year off in in great fashion again, and he gets seventh at Bay Hill. Um, you know, fourteenth for the Masters, twentieth at the PGA, and you just think, well, this was a really, really good golfer coming into that really horrible decision. Um, he has just been, it's not even the Ryder Cup. Like he was basically asking for thanks for the, um, you know, securing everyone more money. And it was like, okay, you, you really just need to shut up. Um, but 
Sky, if, if that's the only if that's the only negative, are you a little bit worried? I suppose that he isn't getting the kind of runouts that he needs. Um, yeah, that's just the hardest thing is is how do you classify, you know, that that form? You know, you saw Brandon Grace play exceptional last yeah. week. Um, yeah. You saw Justin Harding run out to almost a first round lead. You saw Ian Bolter shoot a million. You know, I mean, like you don't know how it's affecting some of these guys um, and and really what their form is, but you're getting numbers that become more interesting because of the unknown. And again, you're getting player people. If I think of it from a DraftKings standpoint or uniqueness standpoint, like people that aren't willing to click those names because we don't know what's going on. So that's, that's why, um, you know, I, I just think, and, and he's one of the best, better putters. When you look at three putt avoidance, you know, it, there's just some things that have popped. And then all of a sudden you see the number, like, has his year been that much different than like uh like Seamus Power type of thing? And, and Power's half of the number. Yeah. You know, like that's kind of like the comparison, I guess, that I would think um, to the years. But yeah, it's just it's just intriguing to me. Yeah, no, I like that. And just just a couple of more before we get you out of here. I know Dean Burmese still is one that you wanted to talk about, and we just kind of covered him a little bit um, on the Mayo Media Network. And then I want you to kind of help me with Wyndham Clark because um, you know I like him, and I think some people might laugh at us. Um, but he, he's a really good price over here. You get 275 to 111 places, 250 to 112 places, uh, or if you're really brave, you can take the 400s one with uh, eight places. So, Sky, let's go into Burmester first. Like, he's shown some flashes at the Dunhill Links over the last couple of years, 34th and 7th after, you know, a missed cut for the first three occasions. And like we just spoke about Silver Hatton, like, it's, a, it's an event you can miss the cut at and then just bounce back. And, you know, he's, he's also shown some stuff in, in the Open before as well. So, um, I thought Burmester was definitely one worth talking about. Yeah, three of his last four rounds at, at um, St. Andrews have been gaining at least two strokes on the field. Last time we saw this course, round of the day, um, at the, the 2021 Alfred Dunhill, um, finished with a 65. In addition to that, you know, he, he again kind of fits that mold of a bomber who has some short game. And I guess I say short game, he can chip it very well. He cannot putt it very well. I mean, he finished... 10th last week at the Scottish Open, which I thought was incredibly strong for him. Fifth in Tita Green did it while losing strokes on the green. Um, so, you know, uh, he's going to have to find that, that spike putter to at least maintain because you have a top 10, top 20 in, in him. Um, I, I think it's definitely in the realm of, of outcome. So I'm excited for mm-hmm. Dean. And, but yeah, I think the, the pick of the litter when we get down here uh, is definitely Wyndham Clark. When I look at statistics, if you really like graded, driving distance and then you add it in around the green and putting you, you go the ranks go rory jt scheffler and then Wyndham clark is fourth in that ranking which is unbelievable to say and then if you looked into fifth that's where herbert pops there too and then you keep going down you get big name big names cantley xander burns Fitz, rom are the next names on that list so it's just a very odd outlier to look into there and again it's what i think matters the absolute most this week so if you can spray it here, you can gain with a distance, and you might not have to be dialed in as with the irons. I mean, Wyndham Clark also finished 16th last week in his first experience since the 2014 Palmer Cup playing overseas. Like, you know, I think that's pretty intriguing to show out and be quietly doing that and then have the numbers in which he does, you know, right now. I thought he was steady. I don't think he left the top 25 all week. Um, uh, or I guess, no, Burmeester didn't leave the top 25. Wyndham Clark went from 51st all the way to 16th. Um, to close out last week. So I don't know. It just said a lot in a small sample there. And those as irons were the best they had been all season last week. I just think a lot of eyes caught 
for, for me on him um, and ready to go to the well. Yeah, like 12th in approach last week, 4th in tee to green, where after having, you know, he was 48th in the field on day one uh, tee to green, then he was 13th in round two, 8th in round three, and 12th in round four, like to finish 4th overall and gain nearly 8.8 strokes tee to green. It's just really impressive. Iron play was really, really good. I was really keen to see what he did. Like he mentioned that like this was his kind of first sort of links experience in, in a big event and... You know, I think he got acclimatized really nicely. And you just look at it like it's been decently long-term form, like Travelers 35th, Canadian Open 7th, Memorial 37th. Um, you know, they're nothing they're nothing to stand out. And I think you're definitely playing for places and you're definitely looking for someone. But I just I just think there's him and there's one other guy that I'll mention later on that I think uh, the potentials to f- kind of finish in that kind of top 10, top 12 that really do surprise. Like we had Brendan Todd here finish 12th. Um, in 2015, Robert Streb finished um, 18th. I think he was just behind the first round lead and kind of closed out slowly. But like these guys can pop on this golf course. It's generally, if it, I think, with Wyndham Clark, if it plays as easy as it can do, then he, like you said, Sky, he can just use that you know driving distance to his advantage, chip and putt, and, and make some birdies. So I think he's definitely a prime candidate to at least get off to a fast start. So, um, any others that you kind of wanted to mention before we let you get out of here? No, I think a lot of these fringe guys that end up, you know, if the wave hits right, I think we can definitely target them top 20 markets, first round leader markets. I'm excited. Um, I know you guys get, get in every week, Tom, that you get into first round leaders. Brad does for the majors. Like it is it is something where uh, I think you could definitely see these type of guys in the perfect conditions really, you know, I mean, we see some weird names on leaderboards and open championships. I mean, how Tong probably is another one who's going to be a really good first round leader, but if things fall correctly, um, if I looked at the Alfred Dunhill specific, um, numbers who guys who have popped, um, I think Matthew Jordan would be another one that I would throw in that category who you could see him if conditions get very difficult, show up, um, well on, on links type of courses. I mean, he was, not showing enough in his finishing position as what he did last week. A lot of guys did that, but he is somebody who's impressed me in the past um, at St. Andrews specifically. So I think that would probably put a bow on uh, my interest. I, I like Ju Young. Hopefully again, if things are right, if I think he's better, if the conditions pop up um, as well, but yeah, man, there's a laundry list down here that hopefully you can nail a place or two. Yeah. I mean, Halton was, you know, it, according to Tortips, he was first in approach last week, um, which is really strange considering how he kind of finished. He also just had a bad passing week. I think he was a bit weak off the tee as well. So, um, you know, that there is just a bunch of guys. I think Sky, like we kind of mentioned, like there's going to be a lot that needs to be decided later on in the week when we kind of get these weather splits. We, I kind of made the mistake of thinking there wasn't going to be one last week, and there definitely was. And, you know, may, maybe just kind of keep your powder slightly dry until the end. Um, until you have to make those decisions. So, Sky, thank you uh, for coming on. It's been a, it's been a while since you've been on Lost for Words, so it's really nice to have you join us, and uh, I look forward to catching up in the week. Yes, boys, I, I love your show. I love all you guys. I appreciate you. Uh, here's to one day all of us being at the Open Championship together. Definitely. Cheers, Sky. All right. Thanks, Sky. Um, so that, that kind of brings us back into the, the three of us now. Um, you know, Sky very generously brought us on. He just literally travelled straight from the show that we did into this one. Uh, but I wanted to kind of get his thoughts there. So we were kind of up to Ryan Fox in the market, Jason. I know you kind of said earlier that you weren't really too keen on anyone, um, you know, in the outright market. Like, 
in the triple digits, but is there anyone that kind of catches your eye in terms of like placements or anything like that? Yeah, Danny Willett. Um, I'm just interested in Willett. When he came off, uh, when he won the links, you, did you put him up? I that? did, I but yeah, 100 to 1 for St Andrews. He came, yeah. yeah, he came off absolutely zero form. Yeah. Um, so I'm not really worried when he returns to... Uh, you know, in terms of places that he loves, then then Danny Willett turns up. We know he loves it. Interestingly, he made the comment that this is a faders course, which any Xander backers might be slightly concerned about. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so he's, he's coming over here. You've got to take a flyer on him, really, to be honest with you. But we know his past form. He's won Augusta. He's won Dubai. He's won Crans. He can, he can cope with undulations. He can cope with this course. Um, Ben's done a brilliant um, uh, player-by-player guide. His scoring average, which of course does include some fantastic um, results at the uh, Daniel Links, um, is 68.79. Tigers is 69.93. Admittedly, he hasn't had as many chances on on what's an easier sort of setup. Yeah. Um, you, you you know it, it still impresses. Um, he's made seven of his nine cuts at the Open, including his last six. Um, go back to where he's done it well. 2015, obviously he's behind Zach Leishman, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Proper. You know, proper course again, top 10 behind Lowry at Port Rush. When again, it was proper links, if you like, in inverted commas. Um, 70.69 at the Travellers is fine. It doesn't really matter either way, to be honest with you. I like that the best of his efforts in 2022 is 12th at the Masters. Again, nobody particularly expected him to, to do much there. Um, but he's turned up and done that. He now comes back to, as I say, a course that he absolutely loves. Um He's eight to five, give or take, just over six to four to be top 40. Um, I could absolutely see that. Um, and I could potentially see Willett um, appearing in the top 10, top 20, you know, quite easily, to be honest with you. This is this is Danny Willett country. Um, but it's a flyer, so you, you have to price it up as you see fit. Uh, I want to be with him in some way. I'm just not quite sure how to manage. Yeah, I mean, like, to your point, like, the, the the six kind of made cuts in a row in the Open Championship, seven of the last eight, is just really solid and just points to his consistency on this format, uh, on this side of golf course. And, you know, unlike uh, maybe like Sergio Garcia, who's really struggled since becoming a major champion, he's still managed to, you know, you know, return some decent consistency. Like you said, I really didn't expect that 12th place finish. I don't know where that kind of coming from in the Masters. Like, he finished 36th at the Crowders before that miscut at the Valspar, 52nd at the at the Arnold Palmer. And, you know, even at Razzie, he was like 35th and missed the cuts in the desert at the start of the year. So there wasn't really anything to speak of. The nature of how he missed the cut last week bothered me. Uh, and that's why I kind of spooked myself on him. Because last week, I was all ready to play him. Like, I put a sort of tongue-in-cheek sort of thing out that, you know, this is my start and who else? And it was Danny Willett at the bottom of my sort of DraftKings team. But, like... He missed. He, he he lost like four and a half strokes tee to green in the first round, and nearly three again in the second round. Like, I don't know if that suggests that he's just in bad form, or whether it's just a bad golf course. And like you said, Jace, you have to kind of take a flyer and just hope that it, it pans out. I don't think. I don't feel like I'll ever feel stupid by trying to back Willett at St Andrews. He's just he's shown it in the past. If he doesn't do it, he doesn't do it. Like, there's there's no yeah. real reason. Uh, do you know what I literally have taken the fact that he loves it and and it was the twelfth at the Masters. Yeah. The fact that he's come from not a lot to yeah. then repeat form. Of course, he's obviously won at. Now comes back to a course that he's won at in a different format. Never mind. Hmm. Um, I, I just took something from that. It may be something. It may be nothing. I mean, certainly not a huge bet. I, I did also write down Wyndham Clark, funnily enough. But, <laughs> 
I, I put a lot and Brandon Wu, who, who I think both have, you know, there's no, we haven't got to their ceiling yet. I just, mm. I can't at the open. I just can't do it. Um, you know, the other couple, if you, I'll, I'll just quickly run through them. Yeah. Uh, Eric Van Ruyen, who nobody knows what he's going to do. Playing like a dog, has horrible trousers. Um, <laughs> but his best of 2022, uh, you know, sort of thing. I bet Brad wears trousers I guarantee you. He's just that sort of person. Right? What? what? <laughs> that's, that's nice of him, isn't it? No, no, no. Not, no, they're young people's trousers. I'm 50. I'm not going to bloody wear them, am I? You know what I mean? Brad, you look at Brad's 47. Trousers. What's the difference? Sorry? Brad's 47. What's the difference? 47. Where'd you get that? <laughs> no, I'm just making yeah, things up. Anyway, Eric Van Ruyen, right? He's best of 2022. He's only made seven cuts. 10th uh, at Heritage, 13th at Sawgrass. You know, he's got that full foot. Dubai, 12th at you know, it's just Eric Van Ruyen. I've no idea what he's going to do. So he was one I, again, possibly looked at for a top 40. Dylan Fratelli, same sort of thing. Fifth at St. George's last year. Um, previous to that, he had seven missed cuts in nine starts. The other two were tied 46, tied 56. When he was fifth in Dustin's major. Wasn't particularly great. Okay, he had a, a fifth in a tied 11, but he had a couple of missed cuts before that as well. Um, eighth in Texas, which was just a little bit of a standout through the years. He doesn't do a lot else. He comes off a tied 50 and 42. When he won the John Deere way back, he comes a form of absolute zero. Tied 46, being his best in six starts. And when even when you go back to him, I was doing the challenge tour, uh, <laughs> which Brad has now actually taken over and got more wins than I already. Right? Um, when he won the Lioness, or Leoness, or whatever you want to call it, they come off two missed cuts. So nobody knows on earth what they're going to do, but they turn up at very decent events from nothing. So have a look at top 40, top person called Eric Van Ruyen. I, I don't know, top specky wearer. I've got no idea. Do whatever, do whatever you like, right? I, I, I don't really know, but they're the three rags that I looked at, apart from the first round leader, which we'll get into later. Yeah, uh, just a disclaimer there. We, we, I don't think Jason does go around calling people specky wearers very often. I am specky wearer. It doesn't matter. Oh, that's all right then. You, you're all right. Um, Dylan Fratelli, 32nd in the 2019 Open, but it was third after day one and eighth after day two, 12th after day three. And then, like you say, he finishes fifth at St George's last year. Like he has that skill set similar to Wyndham Clark that he can just get hot and make a ton of, you know, birdies. And I think again, he's another prime candidate for that kind of first round leader market and and see how long he can hang on. Um, in terms of Eric Van Roy, and I haven't really. I mean, he's he kind of flashed up for for some reason on tour tits, but um, I, I can't really remember why, and also don't really believe in any of it. Um, but Brad, any of those that you thought were interesting? <laughs> That's fine. Uh, I actually, for the first time, I can't argue with you. Yeah. Which is no, nice. I, I can't say I am, but I, I do like uh, Friston Lawrence. Yeah, uh, maybe as a place bet. Like, I think he's been playing really well. So he had that third at the Irish Open and twenty um, fourth last week was he? Yeah, I think. And he was really good on approach, eighth on approach, twelfth off the tee, um, and he's played here as an amateur. And obviously at the Dunhill, I don't think he did too well last time out of the Dunhill, but he's a different, he's a different beast now. I think he's really uh, up this game, and I think he's only going to, he's coming into this loads of confidence. I think you can get what the market I want to play him in is top South African, and you can get 14 to one uh, free places with Bet Fred, and he's got to beat Usti, but you don't know Usti might, you don't know what you're going to get from him. I know he's got all that that record behind him, but he's still gone over to live, and we've as we've alluded to earlier, like we don't have a clue. That's good. It's good how it affects players' forms. Yep. Um, and you've got the, the people you've just said, Fratelli, Van Royen, Burmes and Burmester, who Sky uh, likes. Um, but I think 14 to 1 is a, a big price, given his 
recent form and he knows the course um, and I think he played pretty well here as an amateur. Uh, so yeah, I think that is some where I'm going to go for like um, a little special bet. And another player, uh, it's very speculative, but he's a player that I have been following for probably about two, two, two three years now, Sam Bairstow, he's a, an amateur. Um, and he, I backed him last year in this market, top 40. Uh, he did miss the cut. I'm going to stick with him because he's a fantastic Lynx um, golfer. Um, he didn't play well in the last amateur event, which was at St. Andrews, but the one before, he finished... Let me have a look. Uh, I'll it down. Uh, he finished fourth. And then he's, he's had, he had uh, played three events in Scotland 2021 and finished um, fifth, fourth and sixth. Uh, he's, I think he comes from uh, Club Hallows, Hallows Golf Club, which is close to Fitzpatrick, um, Sheffield. Yep. And he's just a great young golfer. Um, and I used to back him on the on the, the smaller English tours. That's how I got to know him, like, um, like the Clutch Clutch Tour and the TP Tour and the 1836 Tour. And so I've followed him since there because he was an amateur playing in, um, in pro events. And he used to always contend, and I was like, Christ, there's a player here. <laughs> and uh, he's now up to 12th in the amateur ranking. So I'm going to play him again in the top 40. I know it's a big ask, but um, I do believe in his talent. And I think he could might be able to um, cause an upset in that market. Interesting enough, like we had three amateurs in the top 12 in 2015. Jordan Ebrews, Ashley Chester, Zoli Schneiderhands. I remember it being... A really big factor and, and Paul Dunn was actually there for a decent period of it and then shot a final round seventy. I think Paul Dunn was actually the co leader in the third round. I think him and him and Jason Day and those days were all leading uh going into the final round. So that would obviously sort of point out why Paul Dunn struggled. But I do think there's just these quirks with St Andrews that you can get um some strange approaches like this. So um a couple of players that I consider that we never really sort of spoke about. Joaquin Neiman, I think, is eventually going to do something in the major. I don't know if it will be here, but I think if there's going to be a Lynx golf course, it would be this one. Max Homer, I was impressed with some of the stuff that he did last week. Uh, just not enough at the kind of price. I think he's been chalked up kind of fairly from now on. And, and you know, you're going to have to wait until he's missed a couple of cuts before we kind of get prices on him again. I do think they will go out eventually. Uh, Adam Scott is... Someone that mm. I think's come up a lot in in people's sort of line of thinking. Uh, I think the the place terms on eighty to one is is pretty impressive. Twelve places. Don't know if I believe he can win anymore. Um, which is you know, whether that's a factor for you, whether you're looking for the places is, is up to you. But really, for me, there was there was one player that I thought you know I look at this event and I just think like you've had Robert Streb who was there for a decent amount of time. You had Ollie Schneiderhands. Uh, Jordan Ebruge, Brendan Todd last time. And and basically in that kind of similar line of, of thinking with Brendan Todd and Kevin Kisner at uh, Carnoustie, JT Poston to me, like, he's just playing so well that you almost don't, I don't, I don't want to ignore it. Like, he's 17th in scrambling, but he also leads the, uh, in over the last three months, going to tips, tour tips. And he's first in par four performance in that time span as well, which, you know, we speak about the fact that there's 14 par fours here. And he's a guy that's coming in with, you know, form of first and second. Like, what more does a guy need to do? So, or mm. second and first, if you, you want to put it around the right way. So, um, I do think that, like, he's come from that John Deere where he's won. And that's kind of what Zach Johnson won before, you know, winning here. I don't necessarily think that's too much to it. I think it's just the fact it was a week before and this time it isn't. But 
you know, you look at the heritage, you look at the Wells Fargo where he's third and ninth, and Zach Johnson spoke about the fact that, like, his first 11 holes, and I don't know what round he was talking about, I'm assuming it was probably the final round, he didn't have anything more than eight iron in his hand. Well, that's, you know, right in JT Poston's wheelhouse, like, short irons, wedges, um, can just get hot. So I think as long as the weather behaves itself for J, uh, JT Poston, I think he's a, a really mm. decent person to look at. I mean, I've backed him at, like, 250s well on Betfair, but, like, 12 places at 100 to 1 seems pretty appealing. Um, you yeah. can kind of take a, a bit off and, and go for 10 places at um, uh, 125 to one, but you know, I just I really like that. Yeah, I didn't really look at him at all. Um, gotta be honest, and yeah, you've, you've kind of uh put him in my eye a bit. It's, um, just, it's just the thing that I just always think of St Andrews as like a, an American esque course that allows these guys to kind of come over. If the wind stays down, it's basically point and shoot. I don't want to talk about a historical course and upset people like that, but it, you know, it is like, especially if they can kind of power it by short game as well. And just how good he was at scrambling, just how good he is at par four performance, just how good he is in general at the moment. Um, mm. You're back in a guy that's first and second in his last two starts. Um, I will get around the right way again. Has next he time. Ever played in the open? No. So that is, that's the concern. But to me, like the other thing that kind of I took from that was like, um, Louis Eustace and missed three cuts in the Open Championship before winning here. Um, you know, Tiger had obviously played in one, but hadn't necessarily played that well. Before. I think he just made the cut when he was an amateur. But you know, come back here, and again, you can't really base what Tiger does and what Chasey Poston's going to do. But like, it people just do good, you know, do well on on debuts and opens when you don't really expect them to. And um, you know, I think Keegan Bradley was 34th in his first Open, then 15th in his second one. Like. Yeah. Is there much difference in, in that type of player? Probably not. So, you know... I th- he is flying confidence at the moment as well. Yeah, so like huge. Like Chan Kim was 11th in his first Open Championship. Like... You just don't know how they're going to take to it. Chris Kirk, 19th on his first Open Championship. Like the, the, the realm of possibility for JT Poston to succeed is is pretty high, I think. So um, I'm definitely going to be playing him. In, in, I'll look for him to sort of in like head-to-heads and stuff if he's going up against kind of like yeah. a link specialist or he's teed together with an experienced player or something i might take him on there um that was about it really i didn't i, I didn't really have anything else jace was there anyone that you kind of wanted to point to the, the bottom leader or the odds board um i think i mean we discussed this earlier on messaging is yeah. is uncle bob um <laughs> bob mcintyre who who I, I don't know i mean obviously i was all over him last year yeah. uh, and one hole cost me bloody fortune um when he was eighth instead of fifth for the anti-post stuff which therefore proves you should wait for your places yeah um you know but hey oh i mean the 13th in ireland was okay obviously but it's it's i, I think these are his his conditions uh, uh, i don't know you know 12th and 23rd at the masters when nobody's really expecting that eighth and sixth in the open um he's the same price he was last year is he a equal player probably not is it a harder field yes i think so the stand is better yeah um so therefore probably not but it was only him and the other one was um as we i mean like i said i looked at clark and brendan well i'm very interested in brendan yeah but i can't i can't see it here this week um i mean if we're moving on are we moving on um yeah if we are then then my first round leader bet is going to be ryan fox yeah that sky covered very well but i'll just throw in 2022, obviously, he's flying. Uh, led the Irish, was fourth in BMW after the first round. He's led the British Masters, he's led at Raz. Um, and the second round, when he's not had a particularly good first round, 
um, after the second round, he will be fifth in the Dutch, sixth in Sudal and fourth in Spain. So he likes going early. Go back a year, 2021, because people might be thinking you're just riding the crest of a, a decent form. In 2021, he was fifth after first round at Valderrama, seventh at the Dunhill Links, significant, fourth at Saudi, second at the Scandi Mix, uh, sorry, uh, 15th at Scandi Mix, I think, yeah, and eighth at the Kazoo. Um, round here at St Andrews, third in the 2017 links, 15th and eighth, first two rounds in 2018 links, and second in the 2019 links when it was St Andrews in the first round. He hit 64. Um, uh, it was 4th in greens and reg, 16th in Pittsburgh greens. Uh, Justin Waters actually hit 63 to lead that and eventually missed the cut. Uh, Ryan Fox ended up 60 or 51st, something like that back then. Um, he's hot to trot. He plays well here early. Um, he's in form. He'll do for a first round leader. Seventy to one, seven places with. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm happy with that. I hope, if he gets an early start, even better. Um, but you know what the hell? It's, it's nowhere near a major bet. But I just thought for a bit of uh, a few shekels, then uh, and made there was a lot of evidence there over a long period. Yeah, no, I like that. I think you know, I still think there's probably some value in playing him. I think that you know the the outright price is probably a bit too short, but like there's, there's definitely going to be markets where I think he's going to be a factor. Um, I think the house on Lee, someone that if it gets the right tee time, is good for that. Um, just the way he hit his irons last week, just the way he plays, you know, just out of nowhere, that 14th place finish at Dunhill Links last year, and you know we know what he done at the Open in 2017, where he shot up the leaderboard like. I just trust him for one round. I don't know if I trust him, um, Brad, for, for four days, but I uh, can certainly see it. Yeah. He's someone I'm sort of looking at for first-round leader as well. Something yeah. that, like, I still can't get out away from this um, Harris English thing that I think he's going to do something soon. Like, I don't know why, and it's not someone I've ever really backed much before, um, and I don't know why it's, it's coming to my mind. I think I just, I've just been impressed with what he's done after such a long layoff, like he's shown some decent flashes in times and, uh, you know, made the cut again. So he's made three straight cuts. Um, nothing special, obviously, but like, just to me that there's a little bit like you think about all the players that missed the cut last week and, and he's made it basically at 80%, 90% probably uh, as yep. he gets into it. So uh, Harris English in some way or, you know, form. But yeah, I think, I think other than that, like, as we sort of alluded to at the, st- at the top of the, the show, like, it's really silly to get away from the top. I mean, if if, if a long shot wins it and they absolutely can, then great. But it's really hard to make a case for it and feel really confident about it. I suppose two people I actually want to talk about because we don't. We, I don't think we did it last time, and we probably felt a little bit stupid. And we, uh, you know, one guy that definitely polarizes uh, attention. But the first one's Tiger Woods. You know, Tiger Woods is back uh, at the home of golf. He's obviously won here twice before. Jason, do we think Tiger Woods is going to make the cut? Um, can you ask me whether I think he's going to win? Do you, um, do you think Tiger Woods is going to win the Open Championship? Absolutely no chance whatsoever. No, no, he's not. And he will. I guarantee he'll get asked in an interview. I'd love him to. Sorry, I'd, I'd love him to make the cut. The rumours that he potentially will retire this week, I think, hold some hold some um, um, word that I can't think of. Um, cake. Let's put cake. In. <laughs> um, and uh, but uh, and it's. Do you, do you believe that? You think he could retire on this one? I genuinely believe he could retire at St Andrews, yeah. Mm, interesting. I, I believe he can. I'm not saying he will. No, no. I've no evidence. I just think the way he was so insistent that he plays this, 
Mm. Um, the way he's just been, he's been playing. Uh, and maybe he won't. If he makes the cut, maybe not. If he, if he sort of, you know, doesn't perform, then I think there is every chance that he will. Um, I, I just think he's, he's. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to. See, I've said it before. I just don't want to see him just plod round. Yeah. Whatever he is, whatever he's like, whatever's gone on in his life, you know, he was the one that got me into golf. He was the one that changed golf and made it what it is today. And he was the greatest that I've ever seen. So um, I don't want to watch him plod around and, yeah. and you know, be 52 years old and, and everyone's clapping him because he's hit 85. Yeah. You know, who cares? I I'm not interested. So, yeah, I do believe he could do. Um, and uh, do I think he can make the cut? Yeah. Go past the top forty or so, and and you know, experience might count. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. I, I think he can make the cut, Brad. Uh, I think he can do what he did at the Masters, where he kind of navigates his way right through for two rounds and probably shoots one or two over, slips through, and we all get him for a bit of weekend viewing. And then basically, yeah. the, the broadcasters want it more than anyone else because they want Tiger Woods to be on TV. But um, to expect anything other than that, I think is you know yeah. crazy. Yeah, similar to the other majors, you just you look at it like I hope you just hope he makes the cut. And I think he in his mind, I know he's he's got always he wants to win everything he tees up to because that's just who he is. Um, but I mean, at some point in him, he's probably thinking if I make the cut, it's it's a good result, isn't it? I mean, we're saying that he probably thinks for fuck's sake I can do better than this. Yeah, but it's unrealistic, but it's probably the way he's thinking, you know. Um, uh, that's why I don't get. Do we believe that he thinks he can win, or do you think well, he feels I like he has to he say? I always it? believes. I do. Yeah, I just think that is just who he is. Um, uh, I think you just can't get rid of that. I don't think he would tear up unless he thought he could. Um, I just, I, I, I worry that he feels like he has to say that because that's what he said for his whole career. Like, mm. and, and, and like, I don't, I don't actually believe he thinks he can win. Like, do I don't know. I, I can't. I can't. Picture a uh, Tiger Woods not thinking that he can win, it, despite how uh, even from our point of view we give him no chance. I just think in his head he still believes that, even as crazy as it sounds to like uh, to us. Jace, what were you going to add in there about the, the, the believe he can win part? But he can't. I, 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 I again, I don't believe he thinks he can win. Uh, there was a great video that was posted. I don't know if you see it. Um, him and, and JT had a practice round or whatever it was. And Jay, the video, it's on TEW Legion or whatever it's called, Twitter yeah. thing. Um, and JT's left in these bunkers. He's hitting wild. He's almost mm -hmm. hit somebody. And right at the end, um, Tiger Tiger sort of is in his group. And he says, uh, I'll see you all tomorrow for the uh, Champions event, blah, blah, blah. Looks at JT and goes, oh, no, sorry, I forgot you've never won round here. You know, Tiger will always be Tiger. Um, but just stop when it's not going right, please, because it's embarrassing. Yeah, I, th I think I think to me, like everyone sort of was like, oh, he wouldn't play if he can't win, and, and that's not to say that you're you're wrong, Brad. Like it's all just opinions, and you have to, to mm. kind of base it. But like, I do now think he's at the stage of his life where he's not ready to completely give up golf, um, because he just loves needling people, like Jason just alluded to there, and like, I think he just likes to be around the boys yeah. and can't get away from it. He knows like. I think he appreciates the adulation he gets. I think if he does surprise himself and play well, then then even better. And I think I think he can. I think he can play fine for for two rounds. I just I just don't like. Yeah. He missed the cut here in like 2015. So like to think that he would necessarily do it now, it's just I don't know. Like it's it's really tough to see. And 
you know, like, like Jason said, I just don't want it to end. Like, we had that really massive high in, what, 2019 or, you know, whatever year it was. Like, I just don't want that to fade away because uh, that was probably my most enjoyable uh, moment in goal. No one really gave him a chance there. <laughs> no, which which was weird because on reflection, like, he was playing well leading into yeah, Like, yeah, he, he he'd won the Tour Championship. He was leading, like, approach and Teeth Green a couple of weeks before. So, um, it's, it's strange that we keep trying to force it now um and the other one i was going to mention was was bryson i just now this live golf thing is out of the way um uh, which i think was weighing on him like he's another one that shot himself in the foot because he decided to make a statement saying he's not doing it when he was going to do it um should have just shut up and not said anything um but two years ago we were talking about how he was going to break the old course and and ruin open championships basically forever with his distance um and now he's 141 on betfair like I don't think he's playing well enough and I don't think he's had enough runs, but like he was a little bit better last time out in the live event. Again, we don't really know what that means for against real fields, but uh, I could see him just having a, a good day and, you know, maybe get some, I don't think the St. Andrews crowd are going to give any of these guys stick. Like if Sergio's up in there in contention or, or whatever, I think there will be still support for them. So I, I, I just don't know what to do with them. Um, and that's it, really. I think that that's basically all I've got to say on those. Um, Jason, you promised uh, Twitter that we talk about cake. Um, so your your cake of choice for the Open Championships weekend, if you can have one. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin you again, Tom. I'm afraid it is going to be coffee and walnut. I have to be honest with you. That's, do, do you like that, Brad? Is that is that an agreement there? It's not something I I would order, but I reckon I'd enjoy if it was put in front of me. Is that so? You're one of those that like pretends they like something because you. I'm not very in. good with cakes. I'm going to tell you that now. Like I'm a very pretty much just a vanilla uh, cheesecake kind of guy. Yeah, I do like a cheesecake, but uh, I think if anything, like in this in these hot conditions, uh, I wouldn't mind an Arctic roll. That would be quite nice. Oh yeah, it's yeah, a good shout, yeah. Bit yeah, of ice cream on the side. Um, and and. Actually, when I think back to when I was, you know, in my youth years, I used to put some of that strawberry sauce on top of it as well. So I was a real, like, horrible I, I, child. I think, I think if you are going to slightly deviate from cake, yeah. right, then then the, the king of um, ice cream desserts is surely Viennetta, which, as I've said a mm-hmm. hundred times, should be ten pound, not a pound, and be a luxury item. Well, it's like it's like Lurpak's gone up to a tenner. Why is Viennetta still available for oh, such a cheap just, price? It's just it should be only available to royalty. To be yeah, it's so underrated. <laughs> Are you just a plain Viennetta guy, or do you like some of these other flavours that pop up? And interesting that you have to have the original. Yeah. You know, because you have the original, you leave it out for a little bit, don't you? And yeah, you do. Obviously, on the side, and then you just take layer by layer. Yeah. It's just expert. like it's like. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's you know I mean kids haven't got a clue. Yeah, no, <laughs> they don't know what they're missing, do they? Um, I do like I do like the original. I don't mind the mint either. That's okay. But uh, when it starts getting into birthday cake and Neapolitan, I mean Neapolitan yeah. ice cream is the absolute pits of ice cream anyway. So to put that into the oh, oh, interesting, interesting. <laughs> Apparently, and my wife said to me the other day that Neapolitan used to be strawberry, uh, strawberry chocolate and banana. Right. Which I would much prefer. I think that would be yeah. even worse, but it's this pretty yeah, that, that would be worse. It's, it's shit enough as it is, so uh, I can't believe anyone <laughs> likes. I can't believe anyone likes. Neopolis. I actually do like Neapolitan. I'm going to be controversial. Oh, God. So. No wonder you. It's only because it was always in the uh, the only thing in the freezer as a kid. Is that, is that what you were eating in Serbia? Is that what it was like? No, no, no. <laughs> no it wasn't. No, I actually had really good ice cream in Harbin. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like one of the like 
yeah. tourist attractions. Yeah, so, yeah. It, it wasn't it wasn't Neapolitan because that stuff is definitely. No, it wasn't Neapolitan. No, it was more like a milky milky ice cream. Yeah. Like, do you ever get? Can you get a posh Neapolitan? Is that a thing? Oh, I don't know. I've never seen. Because every it. every Neapolitan I ever think of comes in those really nondescript white tubs, and you take the top off, and it's oh yeah, still... that's what I had to deal with as a kid because that's all my dad. Yeah. Made, so. It's so, still too, too, still too frozen, and just it doesn't actually taste of the ice cream. It's a bit like when you have a Coke flavored lollipop, and it doesn't taste like Coke. I just think near some of it's fake chocolate, fake strawberry, and and not good enough vanilla. Like, yeah, just Neapolitan absolute pits of an ice cream. Um, so hopefully that is a hot enough take for the people that were requesting a bad take from me uh, on food. But uh, Arctic Roll, I'm gonna put that on the shopping. Uh, we'll get some online shopping this weekend. I'm gonna chuck that in there. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's the way to go. I don't think I want necessarily just cake because I think if I have cake, I, I like to have a cup of tea, and it's four hundred and fifty degrees. Ah, now, go on. Now, cake with ice cream. So there is your. I yeah, mean, I, do, I do. Yeah, your, I like a cake with ice cream. Yeah. You've got your crunchy in the top of the freezer, right? Yeah, ready to, to put on your ice cream, <laughs> right? But if you're going to have cake, you know, then yeah, yeah, you get. You, well, basically, it's Arctic roll, isn't it? It's your boring vanilla sponge with your vanilla that doesn't taste of anything. You don't like a Neapolitan. But are happy to eat when you surround it with sponge. Mm. Okay. I, I I think I think sponge is is different, isn't it? Like Victoria sponge has got that jam. It's still in. the same crap ice cream, isn't it? That you've just slagged off for being in between. No, because no, because Neapolitan like it's not even like if it was high quality vanilla, high quality chocolate, high quality strawberry, I still wouldn't mix the three together because I'm not four years old. But like it it <laughs> it's, it, it's it, it, they're they're like. No. The worst, okay. they were the worst versions of each of that ice cream. Like you can't get a worse vanilla ice cream than one that's part of Neapolitan. You know, like when, when you, you get go... like you know when you get uh, dual purpose like items, and they're not quite as you know like when you get like a four in one uh, tabletop game, and there's it's not very good uh, tabletop football, it's not very good table tennis, mm-hmm. but it's efficient. That's what Neapolitan is. Oh, let's just get it all in a fucking bowl and, and hope the kids eat it because <laughs> it's dog shit. It really is. And whereas when, Victoria's fun, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen when someone go, so passionate about how. <laughs> when, you go, when you go to the Chinese, yeah. or, or the, the, like the, the Indian that we were going to go to. Yeah, right? let's, let's get. Well, that's the train strike. Yeah. So we'll get when back. you go to the Chinese, do you have like do you put the rice in one bit of the plate, the chicken in black bean sauce on another bit of the plate, the so, Singapore rice so, on a bit of a plate, or do you mix it all up into one great big mush? I'm gonna I'm gonna have probably another hot take here. I've never eaten a Chinese in a restaurant. Oh, no, Tom, we're going to have to change that. I've eaten, okay, I've, so, I've eaten so China, you, so Chinese takeaway, uh, and I would I would put uh, I would put it in one part of the plate, but then I would drizzle like the sauce of either the curry or the sweet yeah. and sour over it. <laughs> Strategic mix, not like an absolute, yeah. one, I wouldn't, like an absolute mush. I wouldn't night pile there. it in like a like a child yeah. eating Neapolitan. But I would I, I would <laughs> I would I would make it. I mean, it all goes down the same way, but I would drizzle the sauce over it. Yeah. What is is that? Is that what you were thinking, Jace, or are you mushing it all together? No, no. Just... I put the rice at the bottom and I just chuck everything on top. It's fantastic. Yeah. That's the way to do it. I think. Do you do that with a curry as well? Like, do you do you chuck the rice in, then put all the meat over I, top? I, of it? I, I genuinely don't know anything about Indian food, and and I, like I said to you, when if when if should we ever do this, I will be reliant on you to tell me what to eat. 
Well, well, I'm relying on Brad because Brad's the adult. He's Neapolitan, so he must know all the takes on <laughs> curry. So pretty good, pretty good, my Indian food. Yeah, so, that's it. Well, we trust you. Pat myself on that. So what what you can do is you can order for us children, um, and then as a treat for if you if you get it right, I'll treat you to <laughs> yeah, I'll treat you to a Neapolitan. Um, oh, yes. I won't join you and eat it, but I will treat you to a whole big Such incentives. It's like one. Well, it probably was like one pound back in the day. It's probably like six pound eighty now for a. a pack of neapolitan but uh unsurprising yeah who knows but um well i think that's the the takes covered for uh for food i think we've probably we should have a food podcast we should have a food podcast i mean my mine would be my delicate oh this this is one thing i actually want to talk about actually before we come off here because it's still related to food have either of you seen the film burnt with bradley cooper in it no i haven't chase no okay right so it doesn't. You don't really need to have seen that, but it was an easy. I've watched it two or three days ago, which made me think of this topic. I have never been to a fine dining like taster menu, like all those kind of things, and I could earn one million pounds a year, and I still wouldn't go to one of those fine dining places. Like the food yeah. looks so fucking miserable every single time oh, it comes up. Yeah, like I would much rather have like a really well-cooked steak or a really well-cooked burger with all these sides then have this little piece of shit that comes out like one little like slither of like i don't know what it is like pan seared salmon or whatever it is that you get and and you chucked like some little pompous thing over the top of it and then done this little like smudging of sauce around the side and and that's 450 pounds and i'm meant to enjoy it like Brad, are you are you in on? No, no, I'm I'm completely in your camp. They charge you an arm and a leg, and you come out and you feel like you want to order a kebab or something. Well, the, just the the thing that concerns me is like they say, well, okay, I've got a really bottomless stomach though, so I've I've, I've really <laughs> big, big portions. So we need so to I, take you to the not, all you can not, eat Chinese rather than. Oh yes, oh yes, I would definitely get my money's worth in them places. <laughs> but like, do you come out with like a stitch in your neck because you've eaten yeah, yeah. too much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I really do. But like the the thing that concerns me with the uh with the fine dining and, and jason I, I suppose you go to kind of nicer restaurants you're you're quite civilized aren't you but would, would you go to one of those like taster menus where you get all these kind of really fancy dishes that no one wants to eat we go to one at least once a year for my wife's birthday um and with the greatest of respect to you two right yeah absolute bollocks right, <laughs> right okay Look, tell tell right. me the restaurant name of this place uh, i've been to quite a few i was at um galvin le chapeau um a couple of months ago give me one that i can spell uh, quickly that does sound the part. Yeah, that's... Gal, Gal, yeah, Galvin Le Chapeau I went to. Um, we've been to Gravity Manor. Um, we've done... Um, where else have we done? Um, oh, Gravity Manor, I, I can spell. There's, there's, a, there's a couple in London. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely unbelievable. I mean, wasted on you if you don't appreciate it, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that was the last one we went to. It was a couple of, yeah, a couple of months ago. It was absolutely stunning. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up one of these menus. Uh, I just I just want to see. I can't find this Gravitai men Gravitai Manor. Gravitai Manor. So it's spelled Grave Tie. Yeah, it's, it's in it's in uh, it's in East Grinstead. Is that correct? That's it. That's right. It. So let's look at their sample daily menu. So, uh, right, sample daily dinner. So you get Gravitai smoked salmon pressing with beetroot, citrus, creme fraiche, and sorrel. Really. Oh, no. Roasted breast yeah. and comfit fire yeah, but you see, partridge. You're, you're, but, but you see, this is this is you're 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 not 
appreciate what you're doing is reading a set of ingredients it doesn't tell you a thing um they are the highest quality ingredients that you can get i mean these people aren't serving you for example they're not serving you fish that you know your chippy has you know pulled off the boat <laughs> for a fiver yeah they're serving you turbot they paid 650 quid for but they then spend five hours um you know fill it in curing doing whatever they've got to do you know everything is absolutely positioned it's 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 done to perfection every single item is is the best of quality prepared to mm. the best of quality taking as much time as it possibly can to to um to prepare that um it's, it's everything is just to perfection yeah um, i, I I almost don't want perfection though. I just want it to be slightly like. I mean, I don't want to be ill, but like. I don't know. I can satisfy the. I, I do. I do really appreciate good food. I really do. I have been to nice restaurants as well, but it's not something that it's normally like a, a treat or it's like someone's birthday or something. Yeah. At the same time, it's. Um, I do sometimes. Uh, it's just the portion sizes. <laughs> and that's all it is. It's like, oh, this is incredibly satisfying. This food is incredible. I just wish there was a little bit more, and that yeah. is just, and that is just it. Um, it's like you come, sometimes come out and you're like, oh, I'm still hungry after that. And that's uh, not every place. I'm not um, tarnishing all um, upmarket restaurants with the same bra, uh, oh, yeah. brush. But, um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot, I'd say it's, it's like 75% of them. I'm talking about upmarket ones. That you always come out. I always come out and feel bloody. I'm still hungry. Like this. Like I thought this was going to be really nice. Grilled belly of old spot pork. That sounds alright. Golden raisins, sage, Brussels sprouts, and mead sauce. What? Mead sauce. Why? Yeah. Just get it off. Why? Why is it on a braised rib well, of aged because, beef? Because because somebody has spent years and years learning about how flavors react with each other. What a waste of time. What an absolute waste of. Said a man of, of who a... looks at who looks at a set of figures, right, and tries to work out which thirty-year-old is going to hit a dimpled ball. Yeah, but no one, no one listening to this show is going to tell me that's a waste of time. Otherwise, we wouldn't be listening. Well, no, they're not. But exactly. But then nobody who goes to these restaurants is going to tell you. It's exactly the same. No, but that's no, why I don't go. Otherwise, I'd tell I mean, him he's waste of waste of a career. No, I mean, we go there for a special occasion, right? Yeah. And the service at, at Galvin's, for example, last time. It was just unbelievable. It was like it was. It was the tables were busy, and it was just like a machine. Yeah. It was just. It was incredible that the attention to detail was just. It was on a different level. And yeah, I mean, yeah. Look, you can put it there, and you can say, "Oh, but that wasn't worth two hundred and fifty quid a head, or whatever it is." Yeah. Um, because you're just looking at that. The, the the amount of service, the amount of training, the amount of. Of, of to make the decor right to make you know for the chef to train for that long the hours that they put in in them kitchens you know it's it's you know they've finished doing a dinner service that they've been preparing for eight hours for they didn't have to clean their station yeah i mean i i appreciate that like i appreciate the hustle a cleaner comes in at six o'clock in the morning you pay seven quid an hour for them, yeah i wish right? i wish that was the case but yeah i mean i appreciate the hustle they put in and i appreciate anyone that dedicates themselves to any craft i mean i, I tongue in cheek i've said they waste their life like I find it riveting that they can, um, you know, apply themselves to something like that and be so good at it. I just don't get it. And so, like the end result, it just, it just looks so like even when they say like, oh, the, the you know, the ambience and the uh, experience. Look, as long as someone takes my coat and my food's on time, that'll be enough for me. Like, that's fine. 
Yeah, but that's a regular. That's fine. That's what you're regular. That's fine. We'll yeah. all go there. We'll all have 12.99 meal deals for three. We'll all go to McDonald's. We'll all go wherever. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. But on a special occasion, it's 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 the whole point. You dress up. You know, it's like I I don't go racing a lot now, but when I did, I always put a suit on. I don't wear suits during the week. No. For work. Never have that. So I'll put a suit on. Now, why? I'm only going to watch horses kick kick dirt up on a field. Yeah, I'll do the same thing. Part, yeah. yeah, but it, again, it's the same. Why do you do that? Because it's part of the occasion. It's yeah. part of the whole experience. No, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, just just to you know manage expectations, we won't be going to one of those kind of fine dinings for the, for the eventual meal. We will be going to your... It'll be a very nice sort of 40, 50 quid a head curry or Chinese or whatever, but it won't be one of these that they... Uh, they spray you with something before you start eating and and give you give you nutmeg for uh, for pudding. So um, you know manage, manage expectations and you can't be disappointed. But um, I think that's probably everything for the Open Championship. Um, and I think also that the the wildest part of all that is we've still got to summarise our uh, selections. So yeah. if you've made it this far, then then congratulations. But uh, Xander Schauffele, Jordan Spieth, Cameron Smith. And JT Poston for me, we've somehow going to get Wyndham Clark in there as well, which is a, a frightening Open Championship card, but one that I'm fully uh, behind. Brad, your three selections for the Open for me, please. Yep, I've gone Jordan Spieth, um, Cameron Smith, and Tony Finau, and I'll throw in the top South African, uh, Friston Lawrence at 14 to 1, and Sam Bairstow, top 40. I think the best price at the moment is 7-1. to one. Nice. I like that a lot. And Jason, your uh, final selections for the Open, please. Yeah, after, after two wins in a row, please manage your expectations, <laughs> for point of phrase. Um, I, I have to put Xander in. I appreciate why you wouldn't. Uh, John Spieth, yeah. Uh, Matty Fitz, yeah. And my best one is Tommy Fleetwood. I still think there's a little bit of margin at 33 that you can still get. Um, Danny Willett, I will put in somewhere. Um, and Ryan Fox, the first round leader. Yeah, love that a lot, gents. Thank you very much as ever. Um, it was it was due to be a shorter one tonight because we have one event, and it hasn't been a shorter one. Although we did spend probably 24 minutes talking about fine dining in Neapolitan ice cream. So, uh, I mean, look, that was the target audience for today. Those are the guys. Twice we've been asked today to talk about food, so uh, we, we've done it, um, and, and there we are. So I think we've covered that. We've covered the Open Championships as best we can. Um, I think, you know, keep an eye out for weather splits and things out later in the week and maybe there'll be some updates on Twitter. But with all that said and done, uh, Brad, Jason, thank you as ever. Last major championship of the season. So let's go and get a winner and, and take that momentum into the rest of the year. Mm-hmm.